first epistle of John. First John chapter four. And we're going to read a few verses of scripture there. And then we're going to the book of Proverbs chapter six. First John four and then Proverbs chapter six. Amen. Now I don't know why we don't have a projector back in the back. Is the is it just not on or is it shorted out? That may be a bit of a disadvantage for me. I've grown accustomed to being able to look up and see what is on the screen. If we can't get it, that's fine. Um, First John chapter four and verse eight is where we will begin. First John four and eight says, "He that loveth not." Knoweth not God. For God is love. I want you to say those three words with me. God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And send his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Now here are these three words again. Would you say them? God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. God is love. God is love. Now, in contrast to this statement, which John repeated twice in just a few passages of Scripture, in contrast to that, let us look to the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, and beginning with verse number 16. Proverbs 6 and verse 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. We've just gone from one extreme to the other. Right? God is love. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Interesting to me. God is love. And yet, these six things doth, since it's the Lord, we're talking about God. God is love. Right? So can't we say, these six things doth love hate. That's um, it's a stark contrast, isn't it? What, what would it take to make love hate? What would it take? Let's, um, let's, pray right now. Let's ask God to speak to us. I feel like he really wants to talk to us tonight. Let's, let's everybody talk to the Lord together right now. Can we do that? Let's lift our voices to the Lord. Jesus, we need you right now. Thank you. 
we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's worship him together. Everybody, let's worship him together. God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I love you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. I love you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. When love hates. When love hates. God bless you. You may be seated. You know, in our first passage of Scripture that we have used as a text found in 1 John, the apostle stated twice the simple fact that God is love. He didn't say that God shows love. He did not say that God has love or even that God simply bestows love, even though all of those things are absolutely true. But John takes it a step farther in saying that not only does God show love and have love, bestow love, express love, but God is love. That is the nature of God. That is what he is. It is who he is. He is love. Everything about him is love. I'm telling you, the fact that the God of heaven would come to this earth wrapped in flesh and suffer and die for mankind says to us, he is love. He didn't have to do what he did, but he did it because he loves us. He knows we had no hope. He knows we had no help. He knows it was impossible for us to save ourselves, but God loved us and did not want us to be lost. It was the love of God that caused him to come in the form of the Son. It's because God is love. Now, the problem we have is that to much of the world today, including the religious world, the fact that God is love means to them that God must then be tolerant of anything and everything. In their minds, it is impossible to truly love while at the same time being intolerant of someone or something, right? That's the way they look at it. If, if you say something is wrong, oh, you're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to love everybody. How can you judge somebody like that? You're supposed to love. Their definition of love is not only that it's not biblical, it's not even logical. Tell me this. If you've got a child that is a pyromaniac, likes to set fire, and you know every time you turn around, he's trying to burn your house down. You say, oh, I love my child, so I'm just going to let him burn the house down. That doesn't make sense. He's not only going to hurt you, he's going to hurt himself. Your love demands that you be intolerant of some things. Those things which are destructive, you cannot tolerate if you truly love. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. How can you truly love someone and not condemn behavior that is either self-destructive or is harmful to others? If you love them, you're going to tell them you can't do that. Hallelujah. True love demands that we oppose destructive behavior. Therefore, if we truly love, we will be intolerant of some things. And so it is with God. Even though God is defined as being love, not just having love, not just showing love, but being love, we've got to recognize that God is intolerant of certain actions, certain attitudes, and yea, even certain individuals. Well, stay with me for a little while, church. 
Furthermore, God is not only intolerant of those things. There are some things God just flat hates. Now, can you imagine something that is so vile, so filthy, so detestable that a being who is defined as love is made to hate that thing. Now, in fact, there are some things that God not only hates, but the Bible says that he finds them abominable. He calls them an abomination. That word abomination means something that is offensively detestable and loathsome. It is not just hated, but it is extremely hated. In fact, one man defined the word abomination as something that is found to be so disgusting as to make a person sick to their stomach. The hatred is so fierce and so intense that you get sick just thinking about it. And you know there are things that this being who is love feels that very way about these things. I know we're not talking about the fruit of the Spirit and love, joy, and peace. But I feel this tonight. Look, look at Proverbs 6 and 16. Let's, let's read this again. These six things these six things doth the doth Lord hate. Love hate. Yea, seven Yea, are an abomination unto him. Seven are extremely detestable and loathsome and disgusting to God. And in fact, it says they now our King James says that they are an abomination unto him. But the literal Hebrew, I was surprised to learn this afternoon, the literal Hebrew is they are an abomination unto his soul. This hatred of these things runs so deep in God. I, 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 want, I want this church to understand tonight. I want you to understand that there are some things that God absolutely cannot stand. He can't stand them. It's not a matter of, well, if somebody's making a little mistake here. Somebody's doing a little something wrong here and they need a little correction. You know, they've, they've added the problem wrong and we just need to show them two and two's not five, it's four. That's the way some of us look at some of these things. Okay, I made a little mistake. But God says there are some things that are not little mistakes. There are some things that are so bad that the very one who is love hates them with a passion. Now, before I try to go through the list of things that the Bible says are an abomination to God, let me, let me establish some principles that you need to understand. First of all, we need to know that God's perspective on what is abominable is not the same as man's perspective. Luke 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly, that esteemed, which is highly esteemed among men is abomination, is abomination in, the in the sight of God. So let's just settle this issue first and foremost. Some of the things I'm going to discuss tonight, some of you don't think are really all that bad. But Jesus let us know that it doesn't matter how man feels about these things. God hates them. And he doesn't just hate them a little bit. He detests them. second principle you need to know before we go through the list Deuteronomy 7 verse 26 neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house lest thou be a cursed thing like it but thou shalt utterly detest it and thou shalt utterly abhor it for it is a cursed thing really there are two principles in this verse and I just now saw this 
I put this in here because of the first one. The first one says that you're not to bring an abomination into your house. Now, God says to you, if I find it abominable, it doesn't belong in your home. God said, if I hate it, you shouldn't bring it into your house. The second thing he says is, you shall utterly detest it. You shall utterly abhor it. In other words, God said, if I hate it like that, you need to hate it like that. You don't need to tolerate it. You don't need to put up with it. If God finds it disgusting, you ought to find it disgusting. Of course, this is one of the reasons why we preach against television because it is full of abominations. And the minute you turn it on, you have invited those abominations into your home. And God said, when you bring them in your house, you're going to become just like they are. That's what he said. You bring abominations into your house, you're going to start committing those abominations. That's what he said. He said, but you need to hate them like I hate them. So he said, don't ever bring an abomination into your house. And then he says, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 30. For the children of Judah have done evil, evil in my sight, saith the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to pollute it. Ezekiel 5, 11. I'm going to go through some of these fairly quickly here. Wherefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, surely because thou hast defiled, my, defiled sanctuary my sanctuary with all thy detestable, with things, detestable things and with all thine abominations, with your abominations, therefore will I also diminish thee. There Neither shall my, my eye is spare, not spare, neither will I have any pity. And I'm not even going to have pity on you. Now here's what God said. The next thing you need to understand, God said, don't you dare bring an abomination into my house. Now, he said, don't bring them in your house, but he said, you better never bring one in my house because if you do, I will not spare you. I won't even have pity on you. Are you getting an idea of how strongly God feels about these things? Are you getting an idea tonight of just how much God hates them? And the final thing you need to know about abominations Revelation 21.8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable. The abominable, that murderers, is those who commit abominations. And murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. They're all going to that lake that burns with fire. Revelation 21 verse 27. And there shall, there no shall wise in no wise enter into heaven anything that defiles neither whatsoever worketh neither abomination whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie or maketh a lie but they which are written in the lamb's book of life now listen this is what god said if you are guilty of an abomination you're not going to heaven you're not going to heaven nobody that commits abominations is going to be saved now as I go through this list, some of you may see some things you've done. That doesn't mean you can never be saved, but it means you better get it under the blood. You better get it forgiven and off your record if you want to be saved. God is not going to make an exception. God hates these things so much there is no way he's going to allow them into eternity with him. And if you don't hate them as much as he hates them, the chances of you going are very slim because you'll find yourself tolerating those things that God hates. Let's talk about it. And again, I want to try to go through a big part of this list as quickly as I can because I'm headed somewhere tonight. Some of these you're going to just recognize. You're going to know. You're going to understand why God feels this way. The first one, Deuteronomy 27, verse 15. Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image. Graven or molten image. An abomination unto the Lord. That is an abomination to God. The work of the hands of the craftsman and putteth it in a secret place. And all the people and shall Everybody say needs amen. to say amen to that. That is idolatry. God hates idolatry. Yes, sir. God hates graven images. God hates little gods. Yes. He hates them. Yes. He despises them. 
In fact, God hates anything connected with idolatry. Let me show you Deuteronomy 7, verse 25. The graven images of their gods shall you burn with fire. Burn their images with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver. Don't desire the silver or the gold that's on them. Nor take it unto thee. Don't take it to thee. Lest thou be snared therein, for it is an abomination to the Lord God. Now look, God said anything connected to that idol, I hate it just as much. You might take that little idol and melt it down and then try to keep the gold for yourself. But God said if it was attached to an idol, if there's a connection with idolatry, I hate it. Now, with that said, let's consider Genesis 35, verses 2 through 4. Then Jacob said to his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange put gods away the, that are among put you. Put away, put away the idols that are among you. And be clean and change your be garments. Be clean, change your garments. And let us arise and go let's up to Bethel. Let's arise, let's go to the house of God. That's what Bethel means, and the I, house of God. And I will make there an altar unto God. I will make an altar to God. Who answered me in the day of my distress uh-huh. and was with me in the way All right, in which now, I now, went. Now, before we read verse 4, what did he tell them to do? What did he tell them to do? Get rid of their idols, right? Get rid of their idols. That's what he said. Get rid of your idols because we're going to God's house. We can't take the idols to God's house. So what did they do? Verse 4. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods. They gave the strange gods that were in their hands and all their earrings, which were in their ears. When he said, get rid of the idols, what they got rid of was their jewelry. God, God is the one who has made a connection. He said, I hate idolatry. I hate anything connected to idolatry. And as far as God's concerned, jewelry is connected with idolatry. I don't want it in my house. I'm not keeping it as a keepsake. I don't have it in a, in a, in, in a, 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 a safe or a safety deposit box. I don't want anything to do with it. God hates it. God hates it. I'm going to get rid of it. Well, hallelujah. Stay with me. Stay with me. Amen. All right, now, there's something else connected to idolatry. Let's look at this. 1 Samuel 15, verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Well, well, well. Stubbornness is connected with idolatry, is it not? Is it not? Being stubborn is connected with idolatry. And God said, I hate anything connected with idolatry. I think some of us need to work on our stubbornness just a little bit. Let's move on to the next one very quickly. This one I know you're going to recognize, you're going to know, you're going to understand. At least I hope you do. Yes, sir. Why this next one is in God's list of things he detests and finds disgusting. Leviticus 18 verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. It's not an alternate lifestyle. It's an abomination. It's not a choice. It's an abomination. You hear me? God hates homosexuality. God hates it. God finds it disgusting. It makes God sick at his stomach. And if they outlaw that as hate speech, then just get ready for your pastor to be uh, charged as a criminal because I'm not going to quit saying it. God hates homosexuality. He says it again, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an they abomination. Both committed an abomination. They shall surely In fact, be put to God death. God said they need to be put to death. That's how fall. much God hates it. That's how much God hates it. All right, let's move on. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 32. Here's another one that God hates. For the froward is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. The froward. Everyone say froward. I want 
I got to looking at this word throw word. I thought, you know, I need a good, strong definition. And so I looked, and it was just kind of giving me any kind of uh, a long list of words that may mean that. So I said, well, what I'll do is my computer software, I've got a number of Bible translations, probably 20, 25 Bible translations. I can pull up at my fingertip with one click. They're all right there. So I said, I'm just going to look and see how the other translations uh, translate this word froward. And here's what I found. At least 10 of the ones I have on my computer uh, translated this word froward as perverse. Perverse. It was the most common way it was translated out of all the other translations. There were two translations that said crooked, two of them said devious, uh, one said wrong-hearted, one said transgressor, one said mocker, one said evil, uh, or else the rest of them said froward. But, but more than anything else, they said perverse. For the perverse or the perverted are an abomination unto God. Now we can tie this back into homosexuality, but I think God's already made that very clear. Amen. I, I'm telling you, I'm telling in fact, let's read another one. Proverbs 11, verse 20. They that are of a froward heart, they that are of a perverse heart, Lord, are an abomination to the Lord. But such as are upright in their way are his delight. Now, now listen, the word perversion simply means to turn to an improper or unnatural use. That's what it means to pervert something. Yes. You're twisting it from its normal usage. That's what it is. So homosexuality is a form of perversion. But so is prostitution. And so is bestiality. And so is pedophilia. Right. Yes. It's not normal. Right. Come on. Right. You get your thrills from little kids. You're not normal. You're a pervert. That's not normal. Right. You're sick. It's perverted. I'm going to tell you, any, any sexual abnormality, including, in my opinion, pornography, because that's not normal. Right. I don't care what they tell you, it's not normal. What's normal by God's definition is a man and his wife. That's it. Anything outside of that is perverted. Now, I threw prostitution in there, which may surprise some of you, but I believe that's perverted. Yes. And really, that's what pornography is, by the way. I mean, you're paying for sex. It's prostitution in video form. But that's what it is. But not only is prostitution an abomination, listen to what Deuteronomy 23, 18 says. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord. Now, the God. word dog here, the word dog in the original Hebrew means a male prostitute. So this is what he's saying. Whether it's a female or a male prostitute, they're not to bring the money that they have gotten from their, uh, from their illicit trade. Don't even bring that into my house. I don't want that in my house. That's how much God hates this activity. Are you getting that? That's how much God hates this activity. All right, now, we're going to go a little bit deeper here. Let's go to the next one. Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 to 12. I'm actually making pretty good time. I've gone through, I'm on page 5 out of 10 pages of notes. I'm doing pretty good. We're only about 30 minutes into it. I'm halfway, so Amen. hallelujah. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. But now I, I'm, I'm going to have to slow down on this one a little bit because this is part of the reason I'm preaching the message I'm preaching tonight. So I hope all of you are listening to what I've got to say. Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 through 12. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necrom... Yeah, you don't even want to know what that word means. A necromancer, yes. That, anyhow. 
Yeah. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Now, now, just one thing. Verse 11 speaks of a charmer. And the word charmer means one who uh, pretends to cure diseases by charms. It can also refer to those who claim to charm animals, such as snake charmers. That word applies to that. Um, as I got to looking at this, it, it, one commentary said that it's someone who gathers together serpents and scorpions or other animals into one place. Those which bind serpents and scorpions, all kinds of creeping things, and one that uh, says certain words or does certain things to gather demons together. So what has that got to do with us? Are you ready? I am concerned because I have learned that some of our kids are involved in this Pokemon craze. Well, it just got quiet. Do you know what Pokemon means? Look it up. Pocket monster. Do you know what these pocket monsters do? They devour other people's pocket monsters. They devise power. They gain power. They work against one another. They control one another. It's witchcraft, plain and simple, and you're letting your kids play with it. And God hates it. God hates it. And I'm going to tell you, parents, listen, let's go. I'm trying to hurry through some of this, but I got to make this point tonight. Acts 19, verses 19 and 20. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before and all men. And they did what? They didn't just throw them away and they didn't sell them. They took them out and burned them. That's the only thing you can do with items that are demonically influenced. I'm telling you, parents, you need to go through your house. If you've got anything that is demonically influenced, Pokemon, Dungeons and Dragons, sorcerers, witches, burn it. Dear God, some of you don't know why you're having so many problems in your house, but you have opened the door to demonic influence. Get it out of your house. God said, don't bring it into your house. I'm making some kids mighty nervous right now. But are you going to let me be your kid's pastor? Or are you going to be one of those moms and dads that's going to say, well, my little boy didn't know. It's okay. It'll be all right. I'm telling you, he knows now, and you know now. And I'm saying, get it out. Get rid of it. Burn it. Destroy it. All right. All right. We're not done. We're not done. Next, Proverbs 15, verses 8 and 9. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. This is... This is amazing. This is amazing. But the Bible says the worship of the wicked. Somebody lives like they want to live all week long and then come in and pretend to be getting in the spirit. God hates that. Now, it's one thing you messed up. You find an altar. You ask God to forgive you. Come in here and, 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 and find a place to pray and worship God when you put it under the blood. But don't live like the devil all week long and then come in and pretend that you're doing all right. God hates that. He hates that. Amen. The sacrifice of the wicked, Proverbs 21, 27, the says the same thing. The sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. It's abomination. How much more when he bringeth it with a wicked mind. And in fact, even the thoughts of a wicked person, Proverbs 15, 26. The thoughts of the wicked are abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. All right, let's go to number six here on my list. Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 1. Thou shalt not sacrifice unto the Lord thy God any bullock, any or, bullock sheep, or sheep wherein if is blemish. If there's any blemish or any or evil favoredness. Any Ill favoredness. 
For that is an because abomination that's to the Lord an abomination. God. The word Ill, uh, evil favoredness simply means that it has any defect or anything that would be unacceptable in any way. In other words, trying to give God less than your best. Did you know that's an abomination to God? Do you know God's not happy with giving him half-hearted worship? Well, God's not happy with that. Now, I know that we don't always feel the best. And I know especially midweek service, we're tired. It's been a long week. Uh, and, and, and we've fought a lot of things. And, and I understand all that. But your best your best tonight may not be what your best is on Sunday night. But the question is, are you giving him your best? Because anything less than the best, it's not just that God won't accept it. It's that God hates it. We got to give God our best. He deserves our best. Well, hallelujah. Any imperfection, any blemish. You know, it kind of reminds me of somebody that would mark an envelope, tithe, meaning 10%, when it's not 10%. I think you're offering God a blemished offering. Well, all right, all right. So, so now again, a lot of these things you probably know and understand, but here's a few things that you need to consider that are thrown in the same category. Now, you got the idea of how bad these things are, witchcraft, homosexuality, bestiality, child abusers. You got the idea. This is, this is the kind of category of the things that just make God sick. But in this same category, same category, no difference in God's eyes. It makes God just as sick to do the following things. Proverbs 17, 15. He that justifieth he the that wicked. He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the and just, condemneth the just even they both are abomination to the Lord well somebody's trying to do right and you're always finding fault with them is that like condemning the just how about when the pastor gets up and tells you somebody and, and you know this church knows after 18 years I don't just get up and publicly address situations but I'm telling you I've addressed a few situations of late and had some of you go around and say well it's not that bad do you know what you've just done you have just justified the wicked do you understand that God hates that God didn't ask your opinion on the matter you know, I don't do this very often. In 18 years, it's been a rare occasion that I've done it, but I feel like i got to do it tonight. We'll get back to the fruit of the Spirit another time, but I'm, I'm feeling in my heart, i got to do this tonight. Hallelujah. Don't be justifying the wicked. Don't be trying to excuse what they're doing. Oh, you're just misreading them. Oh, you don't really understand them. Oh, you're making a big deal. Listen, honey, if I felt the need to tell the church about it, it is a big deal. And you better just wake up and smell the coffee and understand I don't do that unless they're wicked. And you don't need to be justifying the wicked. All right, all right, all right. Deuteronomy 25, verses 13 to 16. I'm hurrying. I got 20 minutes and uh, just a few more to go. So we'll get it done. Thou shalt not have in thy bag divers weights. Divers great weights. Great and a small. Great and a small. Thou shalt not have in thine house. Don't have in your house divers measures. Great and small. Great and small. But thou shalt have a perfect. Have a perfect. Have a just weight. A perfect and a just, perfect measure, and shalt a just have, measure shalt thou have. That thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Right. For all that do so thing such things and all that do unrighteously are an abomination of the it's Lord. An abomination of God. God. In fact, God feels so strongly about this one that He puts it in here more than once proverbs 11 and 1 a false balance is abomination to the lord but a just weight is his delight proverbs 20 and 10 divers weights and divers measures both of them are alike abomination to the lord proverbs 20 23 divers weights are an abomination unto the lord are we and getting the message are we getting good. the message? do you know what god's condemning he's condemning you intentionally cheating somebody 
When he talks about two different measures, this is what they did. You know, they, they didn't have a digital scale to set things on, so they would come in and they would use a stone that supposedly weighed a shekel or whatever, and they would put that stone on the one side of their balancing scale, and then they'd put what you're buying on the other side. But if they liked you, they might use, you know, a different size stone and give you a little bit more. If they didn't like you, they'd use a bigger stone and, or, or a smaller stone, and, and, and you wouldn't get nearly as much. And God said, I hate that. You need to be fair with everybody. You don't need to try to take anybody. You don't need to try to take advantage of anybody. Do what's right in your business dealings because God said it's an abomination. Just as bad as homosexuality in God's eyes to knowingly, willfully cheat somebody. Let's go to this one. Now, this is where I'm going to stir up some things. And I just got to thinking about this today as I was going through this list. So I know I've probably never said it the way I'm going to say it tonight. But I'm going to say it. Deuteronomy 22 and 5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Now, now look, I want you to understand this. We're not talking about some church standard here. We're talking about the way God feels about something. That God has the same opinion of this as he does homosexuality, as he does bestiality, as he does perversion. God feels the same way. And, and I want you to notice what he said because God, very specific here. If we go to the second part, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. So God's very clear. If it, if it belongs to a woman, a man can't wear it. If it's a woman's garment, a man cannot wear it. Right? But with the woman, that's not what he said. He said, a woman shall not wear what? pertains to a man. See, I, I'm so tired of this old argument. Well, these are women's pants. Doesn't matter. You tell me what they pertain to. I can tell you I've traveled around the world. I've been to a number of countries, and I don't care if they speak Spanish or if they speak Shona. I don't care what language they speak. If I want to find the bathroom, I look for the picture of somebody in a pair of pants. Because all around the world, pants pertain to a man. I don't care. I don't care what they're made for. I'm talking about what they pertain to. That's what God condemned, and that's what God said was an abomination. Now, here's where I may stir up a hornet's nest. But if I do, I do. Elder Davis used to say, God, it's your church. And if she blows, she blows. So if she blows, she blows tonight. But we got to understand something, church. There are two different issues when we're dealing with apparel. First of all is the issue of modesty. Okay? Now, when we talk about modesty, we're talking about things that, that would... Uh, that would do away with inordinate desires of the opposite sex when they look at you. If you're wearing modest clothing, then it's not appealing to the opposite sex. You follow me? So, so modesty, modesty is a matter that would really apply to certain ages, if I could say that. I mean, you've got to be really twisted. If, if a two-year-old having on a miniskirt does something to you, you got to be twisted, all right? I mean, really twisted. To me, that's not an issue of modesty. Now, what I've always said through the years is by the time they go to school, they're in learning mode. By the time they start school, you need to start dressing them in the standards of the church. You're teaching them. This is the way we look as apostolics. That's what I've always said. That's with issues of modesty. 
What we're dealing with in Deuteronomy 22.5 is not an issue of modesty. It's an issue of an abomination. Now please tell me where God said there's an age set for whether it's an abomination or not. Well, it just got real quiet. But I'm going to tell you, church, this is, I'm disturbed. If God hates, if God hates for a female to put on something that looks like a man, why would I want to dress my little kids in a way that God hates? I don't care what age they are. Why would I do that? If God hates it, he hates it. Now, honestly, I, I, I didn't think about it for many years. Um, as our children were growing up, I allowed, um, I allowed my daughters for a little while to, to, to wear the little sleeper pants. You know, I, I allowed them to do that until one day I heard my daughter saying to somebody else, let's go put our pants on. And when she said that, I said, you know, if she can't determine the difference between pajamas and pants, I may be teaching her wrong. Oh, it's quiet. So at that moment, I got rid of all of them. I quit. I said, no more. We're not going to do that around here. But today, it dawned on me. This is not just an issue of modesty, and it's not just an issue of a personal conviction or preference. We're talking about what God detests, what God absolutely hates. He hates it. It makes him sick. So why, Brother Merriman, would I put something on my daughter that makes God sick? didn't expect us to be running the aisles tonight but I'm going to tell you church we better we better come to a place and I'm getting ahead of myself I'll tell you why in a minute but we better come to a place that if God hates it we're going to hate it not we're going to tolerate it and we're going to make excuses for it we're going to hate it if God hates it we hate it All right, let me, let me get to the last portion here, which was our text. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. All right, now, the, the writer here says, here are six things that God hates. And in fact, there are seven of them, and God absolutely detests. I call these the big seven. Now, you know, Catholicism has the seven deadly sins. And they just made up that list. They did. It's not based on the scripture. But the scripture does have a list of seven deadly sins. And it's not the ones they list. But here are the seven really deadly sins. The seven things, if we can say it this way, that God hates the most. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, these six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. What are they? A proud look. First of all, the very first thing on the list, a proud look. A proud look. Now, I know I've got the whole passage there. We, we'll, we're not going to read the whole passage at this point. Let's just look at verse 17 for a minute. A proud look. A proud look. Now, let's... let's just stop right there. A proud look. God says, here are the seven things I hate the most. Number one. A proud look. That pride is an abomination is confirmed elsewhere in the Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 5. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the abomination Lord. Abomination to the Lord. Though, now, now listen, listen. Here's what you may not realize. When we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed, we say it's because they were homosexuals. Right. 
Now, God included that in their list of sins, but God didn't put it at the top of the list. Let's, let's look at Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 and 50. Behold, this was Behold, the iniquity this, of thy sister this Sodom. This was the iniquity of Sodom. What? Pride. Number one, he didn't say homosexuality. Number one, pride. Fullness of, Fullness bread, of bread. An abundance of idleness. Abundance her, of idleness. Neither did she oh, I could do some preaching right there. Hang on, hang on. I could do some preaching right there. Abundance of idleness. Abundance of idleness. in her and her daughters neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy and they were haughty they were haughty that's back to pride again and committed abomination finally finally he gets down to this the very last thing on his list they committed abominations before me yes it was a part of why they were destroyed but number one God looked down and saw how proud they were I think we need a baptism of humility. A baptism of humility. For God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Uh, the next one, Proverbs 6, 17. A proud look, what else? A lying tongue. A lying tongue. Now, again, this principle is confirmed elsewhere in the Proverbs, such as Proverbs 12, verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. When you're stretching the truth and you're not being forthright and honest, you're not just committing some little fault. Come on. In God's eyes, this is just as bad. as all these wicked things we've been talking about all night. You've got to be truthful. You've got to be honest. Lying lips are an abomination unto the Lord. God hates lies. Let's move on. I've got just a few minutes. Let's move on. Third, he says, he says a proud look, verse 17 still. A proud look, a lying tongue. And hands, and hands that, that shed, that innocent, shed blood. innocent blood. Now, now look, there, there could be no more innocent blood than that of an unborn child, in my opinion. And I believe that's why the judgment of God is coming against this country. It's because we are shedding innocent blood by aborting millions of babies. God's not pleased. But I want to tell you that any kind of murder would be shedding innocent blood. And God finds it as an abomination. But do you understand what else God calls murder? 1 John 3.15 Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. I can't stand so-and-so. Well, I'm not going to hang around so-and-so. Well, I don't want to be around so-and-so. Listen to me. You need to find an altar. You're committing an abomination in God's eyes. You need to get prayed through that. Oh, it's quiet tonight. You got to get prayed through that. You can't hold those things in your heart against a brother or a sister and be pleasing in God's sight. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Impossible to be saved. Impossible. If you hate your brother or your sister, it's impossible. Let's move on. What's the fourth thing? We're going now to verse 18. Proverbs 6, 18. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Deviseth wicked imaginations. Now, you know, that was the very thing that brought the flood on the people of Noah's day. You do know that, right? Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. And God saw God that the saw wickedness, the wickedness of, man of man was great. Was great and that every imagination of, every, of his heart. Every imagination of his heart. Was only evil continually. Was only evil continually. And in They just sat around and thought up evil things to do. And so it repented God that he'd made man. 
it grieved him at its heart. Verse six, the, the Genesis Lord, six and six, it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, and God I will destroy said, man destroy whom I him. created from the face of the earth. I am going to destroy man. Both man and beast and the creeping thing, fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I Why? have made Why? them. Why? Why is God sorry that he made man? Because man just sits around devising evil things. Listen, listen, the, it, 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 it really jumped out at me today. We're talking about seven things here, right? Seven things. We've covered three. This is number four. We have three more to go. Right at the heart of the seven things that God hates is the heart that devises wicked imaginations. It's in the very middle of the list. The heart of the list is the heart that devises wicked imaginations. See, here's what Jesus said about the heart. Matthew 15, verses 18 to 20. But those which things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. They come from the heart. And they defile the That's man. That's what defiles the man. For out of the heart because proceed out of the evil heart thoughts. Is where these evil thoughts murders, come from. Murders, adulteries, adulteries fornications, fornications thefts, thefts, false witness, false witness blasphemies. blasphemy. These are the things That's which defile what defiles a man, a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a But man. all of this, he said, comes out of your heart. So if you'll think as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, next, let's, let's go on because my time's almost up and I've got just a couple more things here. We're still verse 18, Proverbs 6, 18. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. The biblical illustrator said they not only do mischief, they do it eagerly with ready vigilance. They have agreed for it. And by the way, the word mischief here means evil or hurtful things. They are quick to find any way they can to hurt somebody else. Yes. Whether it's through their words, their actions, their deeds, they're going to find a way to hurt somebody. God hates that. God despises I'm afraid I'm going too fast, but we've, we've, we've got to get through this list. I've got to finish tonight. So, 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 so what's the next thing here? We're on verse 19 now, Proverbs 6, 19. A false witness that speaketh lies. Now, a false witness that speaketh lies. Haven't we already heard about lying? Didn't God already say he hated lying? So God says, here's seven things I really hate. Proud look. Lying tongue. And he goes to the list and comes back. And by the way, did I say, I hate lying? Now, in this case, it's a specific kind of lies. It's a false witness that speaketh lies. You know, there are those who tell lies to save their own skin, keep themselves out of trouble, so they'll lie. There are those that will lie when they fill out their income tax. Those that will lie on a job application. They'll lie to better themselves. And then there are those that lie to hurt others. And that's what he's talking about. A false witness that speaks lies. A false witness. Somebody that's saying someone did something that they didn't do. When you're lying on someone else to cause problems for them, God wants you to know he hates that. He despises that. The biblical illustrator states this means God hates the one who, by tail-bearing and ill-natured stories and wicked inventions, produces the disruptions of friendships. I'm sorry, that's the next one. Let's get the next one. Uh, it's not only he that speaketh lies, but what's the next one? He that soweth discord. He that among sows brethren. discord. He that sows discord among brethren. This is where the biblical illustrator states that, that God hates those who by tailbearing ill-natured stories, wicked inventions, produces the disruption of friendship. And God finds it abhorrent because he desires his creatures to live in love and unity. In other words, I've seen people like this that they're going to make up a story on somebody or they're going to say something so that they can get two people to be at odds with one another. They're going to run somebody down because they don't, they don't like you being friends. They don't like you being friends with Brother Jared. 
So, so in order to keep you from being his friend, I'm just going to drop a few little things that I know about Jared. So, so you won't be quite as close to him as what you should be, you see. I, and I'm just protecting you, Brother Merriman. That's all. I'm, no, no, you're not. No, you're not. You start planting those seeds of hatred and animosity against a brother or a sister so that you can destroy friendships and destroy relationships. God hates that. Now, in contrast to those that sow discord, Jesus said there's a special title for those that will make peace. What did he say? Matthew 5 and 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. The peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. Because they're the ones that are the children of God. Now, what, what does he mean by this? Well, you know, a child generally looks like its parents. Right? Generally, a child looks like its parents. Might look like mom, might look like dad. You might be able to see a little bit of both. But, but you're going to be able to see resemblance to the family. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Because you know what? They look like God. Because that's the way God is. God's not around here trying to s separate people and divide people and start little cliques and start little groups and, and, and have this group and that group. and the, That's not the way God does things. But those that can come together and bring people together and patch up problems with one another. In fact, it's not peacekeepers that are blessed. It's peacemakers. It's those that can step into a bad situation and bring healing to it. That's what God does. Those who strive to prevent contention. They, they, they try to uh, prevent strife and war. They use their influence to reconcile opposing parties, to prevent lawsuits and hostilities in families and neighborhoods. Every man may do something of this, and no man is more like God, Albert Barnes says, than he who does it. There ought not to be unlawful and officious interference in that which is none of our business. But without any danger of acquiring this character, every man has many opportunities of reconciling opposing parties. Amen. Amen. Well, I made it through five after nine. I heard Brother Tom Johnson say, if you'll come to the music, I heard Brother Tom Johnson say, a few years ago, he was talking about the great revival that they've had in Colorado Springs. He said that he was talking to my old pastor one day. And he asked him, he said, Brother Davis, what is the secret to revival? How can we really have a revival here in Colorado Springs? And Brother Davis looked at him and said, Brother Johnson, it's really very simple. Learn to love what God loves and hate what God hates and you'll have revival. Church, I've given you a list of things that God hates. And you know what? We need to develop a hatred for those things. We need to develop a hatred for those things. And yet we need to love the things that we know please God. Prayer. Fasting. Outreach. Bible study church attendance bringing unity strengthening the weak the things that we know make God happy that ought to be the focus of our lives and we ought to have an intense hatred for everything we know God hates let's stand tonight talk to the Lord for just a minute, can we? Let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. Come on, let's talk to the Lord, church. We know how to pray. Let's pray. Let's lift our voices. Come on, let's talk to God. Why don't we ask God to put that 
right perspective in our hearts to help us to truly fall in love with what he loves and to truly despise everything that God hates. Those people that are constantly making you question the church and constantly making you question what's taught here and constantly, why, why hang around? They're sowing discord among brethren. We got to hate what God hates. And we got to love what God loves. Come on, let's talk to God. Come on, church. Come on, church. Have I become your enemy because I've told you the truth tonight? Everything I've told you has come from the Word of God. I haven't given you anything that wasn't scriptural tonight. I know some of you may not have liked some of the application of the scripture. But I got to do what I feel like God wants me to do. We, we've got to find the favor of God as a church. I'm ready to see God's glory poured out. He's promised us. He's already told us there's an open door. And I want to step through that open door. I want God to smile on me and on this assembly. Come on, don't you want to bring the favor of God in your life? Don't you want to bring the favor of God to your life? These altars are open tonight. These altars are open. Is there anybody that feels like praying for them?